1: Welcome to the WE Podcast, you have Bhushra, Jilan, and Daria in the studio today. So today we are going to explore a couple of things and I'm going to just run right in with my intro that I was supposed to mention before, (laughs) (laughs) Um, the names that we just stated. So Vegetable oils are inflammatory, gluten is bad for everyone, artificial sweeteners are bad for the gut. The answer to all these statements will be addressed in our podcast today. So today we are going to talk about naturopathy and nutrition, and we have a very, very special guest in the studio, um, conferenced, conf- who will be conferencing in from Melbourne, and she is basically going to explore the world of naturopathy with us. So ladies, we have Iman with us. Welcome Iman. Thanks for having me on the podcast ladies. Iman, can you hear us? Yes. Welcome on air. Yes, we certainly can hear you. How are you? Good, how are you? We are wonderful as well. So Iman, you're in Melbourne. Yes, correct. And you are joining us from Melbourne. How are I, you today? I'm really good. Um, I'm enjoying a busy day of work and
2: moderate weather compared to what we've been seeing in New South Wales and Sydney. Um, how about you guys? How is everything down in Sydney?
1: We are great. The weather is sunny
2: I and um,
1: the weather has cleared up. <laughs> Thankfully. <laughs> and um, we're really excited for today's show. So. Um, Iman and I go way back. We've been trying to tee up a time where we are available on the podcast and where she's available as well. So a year has passed (laughs) and we are finally um, on air together. Yes. So today's the day, Bushra, is it? It is, it certainly is. So before we get into it, guys, do you know much about naturopathy? Have you ever seen a naturopath?
3: A naturopath? Yes. Yes, Uh, I, well, with business yes um so there's a local uh naturopath um dr jordal uh she's actually fantastic she's from bankstown and she's runs her own thing she actually looks into other things as well like cupping and whatnot so yeah she um kind of assesses your body and then you know Mm. tells you what you need um on a herbal side of things and where it's coming from it's a gut related mind related you know um and she yeah she so she diagnoses in that sense so, yes. yeah
1: I went to a natural not for myself but for a family member we went to see a naturopath um, before and they actually um, they look into the iris the eyes mm-hmm. and um, they're able to identify uh, whether you've got any issues in other parts of your body and I found that very confrontational really in the and sense of what so through your
4: pupils through your pupil through your iris so they were Irris. able to say what you. yeah so exactly to right. and minerals. not
1: just that but this part of your body this organ isn't working well and you know this is what you need to do you need to cleanse your kidneys and so on and so forth and I I actually um, I was 15 at the time and I found that very Overwhelming to to hear mm-hmm. because I was excited. I went to a <laughs> really yeah. I
3: I find when people assess my body that it just brings out what you need. Yeah, like, like acupuncture
4: would probably be the most. Um, it would be
3: intimidating because you're looking into your. and it's extraordinary, Random.
1: Look, I maybe it's because I was obviously very walking into this very uneducated. was you're With my ignorant mind. But, yeah, I mean, I like the way you look into that. Um, I mean, I like your stance, Jaylan, where you're saying um, it's exciting to... For me, it was, I, I'm thinking, like, for example, um, not a new naturopathy, but
3: I, I, I was with a very experienced, over 30 years, um, acupuncture doctor, mm-hmm. and he assesses your mouth and she would assess your hand and go by that. And I was like, no way. And I've been going to a special, and he knew
4: exactly what I needed. Acupuncturist did the same thing for me. She knew exactly what was wrong with me. She put the needles in the right spot to alleviate it. I actually went to take a friend, and she said, you don't look well. And I said, I've got a bit of a headache. And she said, I'll put some points in the right spots underneath my feet. Yeah. And then in between my palms, and then a couple of behind my elbows or something. I thought within 15 minutes it was gone so look i'm excited Mm -hmm. i've got a lot of questions about naturopath as well look i haven't been one-to-one specifically but there's a couple there's also myths and things that i want to talk to her about so i'm very excited i appreciate the fact that iman's come on um and we can talk to her all about everything that we need to know and i suppose she can enlighten us a little bit more in this area and our community as well as to what it is that we should know and what we should and shouldn't do
1: Yes. So Iman, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? So just for those listeners out there in short, what does Iman do during the day? What are your interests? What, you know, what brought you into naturopathy?
2: Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for uh, introducing me and I'll tell you guys a little
1: bit about all of that. Before I go on, though, I'm so sorry. Am I pronouncing that correctly or is it naturopathy, naturopathy?
2: Um, naturopath, and if you're talking about naturopathy, it's that's how it's pronounced. Wow. Naturopath.
1: It, are of they it the same for. thing?
2: So a naturopath is a person that practices naturopathy. And yes.
1: Natu- okay. No, I'm on the right track. Yeah. Okay. Great. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, So, my story is uh, not super like inspiring, life-changing, but um, I finished high school and I knew that I wanted to get into some form of uh, healthcare. So, whether that was like nutrition or nursing, I was kind of on the border of choosing one of those. Um, And I actually got into dietetics um, as my first offer. And during that summer break, I stumbled across a few naturopaths and I really resonated with uh, what they were putting out there online. So I went off and enrolled in naturopathy and did it first thing straight out of high school and I guess my um, intention with that was to, you know, use whatever knowledge I gain as far as uh, natural medicine and nutrition um, to not only service others but to also be able to support my family with some of these things. Um, Having grown up, you know, from a Middle Eastern background um, and you guys would would, um, have something similar uh, in terms of experiences here but we grew up with a lot of natural remedies as well. Um, Lots of home remedies, you know, mum would always like mix black seed up with honey Mm. and two different things for us when we were sick so we always kind of had that uh, relationship with natural medicine, um, but I think uh, once I saw kind of the fusion of of both in terms of nutrition, herbal medicine, um, it just really resonated with me. So. Um, did that straight out of high school, uh, graduated, and have done a bunch of different things since then, but um, have always done a combination of clinical practice, so working one-on-one with clients as well as working um, in the retail space. So, I was working in a health food shop kind of in my last year of uni, uh, continued doing that for a little bit, then worked in an integrative pharmacy for about a year, which was just an awesome environment to kind of integrate the two um, as far as convenience. Conventional medicine and um, naturopathic medicine. And then I managed a health food store for a little bit. So that was for about a year during lockdown, um, which was a very um, difficult time in Melbourne, but good to be able to still have that opportunity to connect with people in the community. Um, and now I predominantly work in clinic again. So uh, between last year and managing the health food shop, I completed my postgrad certificate in human nutrition.
4: Congratulations. And
2: thank you. That's um, wonderful, yeah. So I did that, and then this year I decided that I want to dedicate more time to clinical practice, um, trying to do a little bit more community work. Um, and I also work just casual, so a little bit on the side, uh, still in a retail health food shop, mainly because I love um, that's where I'm able to do a lot of my myth busting and. Um, it's really kind of on my feet um, talking to everyday people um, and I build a lot of those um, really strong connections with people in the community Um, and yeah I just really enjoy kind of um, thinking on my feet and uh, being in a fast paced sort of environment that's dynamic uh, which is very different to consultations which are very slow um, and very detailed, very thorough and there's lots of kind of um, lots of brain work involved so um, yeah, that's sort of what I'm doing at the moment. Um, but I have fluctuated uh, between various things kind of since I graduated. And I've always been passionate about uh, uh, clinical practice. So that's what I'm spending more time doing now.
4: Wow. I just want to say thank you for enlightening. I don't know about the other two, but definitely me. <laughs> I always thought naturopath, you know, what's there to it? Sorry, being my, probably being a little biased here. Um, but you've just Articulated it so perfectly, um, and it just—it's so simplified. But can I ask a very simple question? You said that to help the community. Do you find that being, I suppose, someone of a you know um, of a diff- of an ethnic background, that you've been able to educate the community as to herbal medicines or na- natural medicines? Obviously, being the alternate to what we know as medicine.
2: Um, absolutely, yeah. So. Um I find that we, within that education, in terms of um, teaching people about um, the connection between a lot of these things, as far as food and uh, can impact their conditions and their health, um, as well as herbs and nutritional medicine, but also um, busting some of those myths that are also present in our community um, around natural medicine, too, because there is. Um, Uh, this kind of belief that, you know, you can only have one or the other um, or that natural medicine um, must be safe because it's natural. Um, So I guess there's a lot uh, that comes with it as far as community education. There is a lot of uh, predisposed beliefs around what natural medicine is and uh, how people can utilise it in their lives. So um, I find that I do a lot of that as well and I find that also because – you know, people in my community and people from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds are more susceptible to misinformation. I right. um, find that it's even more important to kind of step up in this arena and um, be spending time on educating um, and talking to people about herbal medicine safety and um, a different kind of uh, dietary intervention so that they um, are also not uh, potentially putting themselves in a position that might be dangerous or
3: harmful okay. for their health so um that's yeah, why no, I do... you said safe so is it approved by the australian medical side of things where we can say you know taking them herbal medicines are safe to consume look it's a it,
2: there's a very broad um answer for that so i would definitely say it totally uh generally there's a lot of herbal medicines um that are amazing and safe but that will be totally uh, dependent on that person and, and what their body needs. Um, so for example, um, you know, somebody might be on antidepressants and they might see that they, um, you know, might still have symptoms and they're wanting to try herbal medicine to um, say further support their mood. Um, there are going to be certain herbs that Safe uh, with that um, anti um, uh, antidepressant use, for example, um, or there's certain herbs that might reduce or lessen the uh, the effect that that herb um, that medication actually has in the body. So certain herbs right. can actually. Um, kind of speed up your liver detoxification processes, which means that certain medications might uh, stay in your body for too long or might leave your body too quickly and then won't work as effectively. So um, it's very individual in terms of, um, yes, herbal medicine is very potent and it's very powerful and it should be seen in the same light as conventional medicine. So Um, are they approved? So um, most herbal medicines in Australia, so Australia um, regulates therapeutic goods uh, with the TGA. So we've got the Therapeutic Goods Administration. They um, control and regulate a lot of herbal medicine products. So generally, if you're seeing a naturopath one-on-one or if you're going into a health food shop and you can see certain vitamin brands kind of on the shelf there, um majority of them will, will say OST-L on there, which means that they're listed
3: with the TGA. So okay. it means that they've gone Do through the series we look a series for a logo, Iman? Of- Is there a logo of any sort
2: that yes, we should... I think she be-
3: just said OST. Is that what
2: you're talking about? So you'll about? see... Yeah, so you'll kind of see at the bottom or at the back of the product, OST, so A-U-S for like Australia, um, and then L. So L means listed. Um, there are certain products that are registered. So registered means that they tend to go through more clinical trials and uh, there's concrete kind of evidence to support their use. Um, so, registered, you will see more on like pharmaceutical products, you might see that on certain iron supplements. There's there's a couple of herbal medicines that will have that, but generally, the, the vast majority of them are listed, but um, being listed still, still means that the government is um, kind of uh, regulating them in the sense that uh, they can only uh, list certain things on their products. So in terms what that product helps with. Um, They have to put warning labels and all this sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. So generally there are a lot of products that are listed uh, with the TGA, which is our kind of uh, regulating body for therapeutic goods. So that will include medications, supplements, herbs, and sunscreens and things like that but um most of them are not registered so they don't all go through that process of clinical trials
3: um in australia which is absolutely crucial i don't know you man but i'm just asking honestly out of my own perspective and what i've lived through yeah. with herbalist and the chinese doctor given me some medication that was herbal um yeah. and it poisoned me <laughs> Uh, because it wasn't approved and so I think seeing a natural path and finding and looking Mm -hmm. for them is absolutely so
4: important. And mind actually explaining it and actually Mm -hmm. making it clearer to say that we need to look for the australian and listed at least then we know what it is we're looking at. Look I appreciate you explaining that it makes it a lot more easier for us to at least understand Mm -hmm. when we are looking at natural medicines what we should be looking out for before we actually take it and consume it. And
3: not only that
2: um you know if you have access to a practitioner or Mm -hmm. if you can go to your local pharmacy or into your local health food store this is where having uh, qualified professionals on hand is really helpful because Absolutely. they're able to go through some of those ingredients with you. Um, you know, talk to you about whether that's suitable for you. Look at any medication or other supplements that you're on, which might be interacting, because not not all herbs will be safe for everyone. Um, and and you've got to also remember that a lot of people are buying su- supplements and products overseas nowadays. They're that's buying right. products made buying in
3: China. Products, herb.
2: So, iHerb's huge. Um, I know. I know that Turkey's got like is kind of growing in this yep. area of vitamin mm-hmm.
3: things. Um, so, th- there's also I know Turkey here. has a process, but see, with some countries, and un- unfortunately, the laws and um, the the the, um, the health system, it, it, yep. it's, it's such a broad and uh, and massive Absolutely. area where they can't actually approve, or they're getting they're uh, uh, like illegally printing things on there. Well, let's hope yeah. that you know and when we.
2: Australia is a lot more strict when it
3: comes to...
2: Um, they are, but they're still getting food. missed,
3: as I said,
4: with the Chinese medication and the herbalist. Um, yeah. I think what you're telling me, Gina, is we need to be careful as to who we go to, and that goes into my next question. Iman, very simple. How do we how do we go see a naturopath, and why what, might we choose to see one? Yeah.
2: So um, a few things that you absolutely want to look out for um, with regards to working with um, a practitioner in any field, but particularly in naturopathy where it's less regulated by the government. So, you know, because naturopathy isn't regulated by the government, this is also why we are not on Medicare. Okay. Um,
3: this is why it is important. Health, to- health funds cover?
2: Health funds we were removed from in 2019, and now there's uh, they, there's been petitioning ever since to put
4: us back on, and they're actually going to review it this year in 2022. So um, when you when you say when you do go see a naturopath, you're paying for it out of your pocket, which I'm getting is what you're saying, right? Yeah. Okay.
3: Yeah. Yep. So Medicare yeah. does not cover ca- yeah. naturopathy. Or healthcare. Yeah. Okay. And this is largely why
2: I've gone to do that postgrad in nutrition to be able to offer um, health funds. But health funds were taken off along with a lot of other modalities. So Pilates and yoga and a lot of other things were on there too. Um, they were removed. And now th- there's been a lot of petitioning since then to reinstate um, them. And there will be another assessment this year. So um, I will forward you guys um, the link for that actually. Perfect. Just to get people to sign. But yeah, so because there isn't the same regulation, and there are a lot of naturopathic governing uh, in terms of uh, associations that are pushing for this with the government, um, you want to ensure that the practitioner has proper qualifications. So holds a you know a bachelor in um, you know health science naturopathy. That's really what we're after. Is associated with a, reg- uh, a or registered with an association. So um, yes, we're not regulated by um, the government in terms of APRA, the same way. Uh, other medical professionals are. Mm -hmm. But these associations, some of them are working tightly with um, different officials, with the government to try to um, encourage regulation. So, you know, knowing that a practitioner is registered with an association means that they still have certain rules and um, policies to abide by, which can kind of help you to be a little bit confident in terms of um, their ethics and their code of practice.
4: Okay.
2: Um, so there's some things that I would definitely look out for. Um, I would also look at in terms of, um, you know, what their presence is like um, on social media. Do they have other, uh, uh, do other medical or health professionals recommend them? Um, are they, are they of part respecting? of associations,
4: I'm guessing? You know, yeah, like, yeah exactly. that kind of. yeah. So, but if I went to my GP, how would I, Iman? Really simply, how would I know? Would I be asking my GP I need to see a naturopath, or would that be the GP helping me, or would that be because I've gone to a dietitian for a for a, a dietitian for a, a, like a, a, another issue where a dietitian said I can help you this much, but it's also recommended you see a naturopath. I mean, do you all in the, do you all work together? How does that work? I'm just trying yeah. to work out when Good would question. I go see one.
2: Yeah, yeah. Look, people see naturopaths for a vast range of different health issues and similar to other fields um, in terms of, you know, dietetics and other health fields. Um, there there will be um, areas that people specialise in within naturopathy as well. Sure. So, you know, um, in terms of like our basic education, um, there's a lot of things that we do support people with as far as gut health goes, um, hormones, so hormonal conditions, um, you know, uh, blood sugar regulations, for example, so diabetes management. Um, it's it's very vast what um, the scope within naturopaths work, but you will find certain people might gear off into certain areas. So, for example, with myself, I work um, a little bit more with uh, women's health. So I do a lot of hormone stuff. I, do, um, I support men with thyroid conditions. And my, my biggest passion is probably the mental health side of things, which I know we're going to get into a little yes. bit later. Um, but that's an area that I'm very passionate about um, due to my own personal experience. So um, that's something that I might work with in a bit more. But because we're not integrated into the conventional medical, medical system, mm. you won't necessarily get a referral
3: or a recommendation Got to see an actual And that's Um, what I wanted to point out as well. When I asked my general practitioner, Un said, hey, can I please go see a naturopath? She said, no, because they kind of, I think, are contracted in a sense with the pharmaceutical companies because they need to go by what the general Australian majority goes by. Mm -hmm. So um, when you think about that, I think there is a massive gap Mm
1: -hmm. and it has
3: grown. People do take the natural path so much more. I don't know what the percentage is. You might want to have a look into it, but it has grown so much more. Than what we used to will go by, you know, the the general medication that we go and buy from pharmaceuticals. Yeah. So, what, there are side I, effects.
4: What it's um, going to show you then is you need the experience. Like, you need to understand. So, the more we have you people like yourself, Iman, on the show and we enlighten our viewers, we get a bit more of an understanding of what it is we want. Exactly what Jilan said. You can ask the GP, I'd like to see a naturopath. Whereas, I'm pretty yeah. sure most of us will not even think to see one.
2: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I think so. And and it's also about having open communication between GPs um, with natural therapists, you know. So I, I do that a lot with, with my own clients in terms of, you know, communicating with their GP. This is what we're doing together. This is what products um, this person is taking. Uh, we would love your expertise in this regard,
3: for example. So they do um, both, think- man. Sorry. So, they do both, the uh, GP and the naturopath at the same time?
2: Yeah. So, I've I've found within my own practice that I've been able to build really good relationships with GPs uh, mainly because people might find me on Instagram or might find me through a referral from someone that they know and, you know, if we're going to run any bloods, for example, it's always going to be more cost-effective and uh, possible for the clients to do that with their GP rather than doing them privately. Um, And so, you know, in terms of us normalising that communication with each other, Uh, being respectful of the GP's expertise as well, because um, I think a lot of, in the past, there's been a lot of practitioners um, that will say, just do these tests for this person, or a lot of people um, kind of, not undermine their GPs, but GPs have their expertise too. And I think um, we we need to respect that they have their area of specialty and that there's areas that we work within. um, And they don't um, necessarily,
3: in terms, because our, our field isn't regulated um, then if they're gonna so recommend can we say you say that we need to pose a new regulation system within the local I think- Australian uh, health and um, yeah, health I definitely- <laughs> I, <honestly.
2: laughs> yeah I definitely think like once the government recognizes uh, naturopathy as a genuine um, health care service
3: Um, things will be very different.
2: Things will be very different for everyone.
3: What's the Um, difference between herbalism, like herbalist and a naturopath? That's the other thing that pops into my mind because when you say maybe that's why everyone has a different terminology. Do you have an idea? Sure.
4: I think they're quietly listening. Because my granddad
3: uh, did, uh, I think, 40 to 50 years of being a herbalist, but it was a bit different using, like, you know, natural. Yeah.
4: What's the
2: difference? A herbalist.
3: A herbalist
2: is someone that
3: specializes in uh, herbal
2: medicines. A naturopath will do herbal medicine along with other things. mm, Yeah. yeah. So a herbalist herbalist might not have any uh, education in nutrition per se or any uh, uh, clinic um, as in terms of placement or clinic uh, in uni doing nutrition. They might just be doing herbs. Whereas a naturopath will do a combination of different therapies. So um, within our studies, we do a combination of nutrition, herbal medicine, um, which also includes flower essence. We also do iridology, which, you know, you touched on a little bit um, in the beginning. Um, And so it kind of encompasses a little bit more than just standard herbalism on its own. Uh, With that being said, um, I felt that the nutrition education wasn't enough uh, and that's why I think yeah I mean doing postgrads is great in terms of education a bit more um, Mm -hmm. because we can't really call ourselves nutritionists after doing a naturopathy degree unless we pursue further education in a nutritional like medicine so So,
1: is that that a natural progression Iman going into nutrition from naturopathy or is that something that you chose to do? yeah yeah that's something that
2: i've chosen to do um yeah so i would not, not every say
1: naturopath would have a postgrad in nutrition
2: no okay. no so that's
1: just that's just my personal
2: um kind of view and I it's also it goes a...
1: hand in hand it's such a great combination
2: yeah, and it's also good to um, be able to um, study nutrition at, in a conventional university, um, you know, because naturopathy is only offered at select uni- um, colleges as well. And so um, you still get a good education, but it's also good to have that diversity of information. Mm. Um, so for me that's personally i found it really helpful
4: yeah. well that's great look guys why don't we break for a song because when we come back i want to talk to iman about um, natro- um nutrition and obviously where and naturopathic um medicine and where it fits in with the support for mental health i'm really excited yeah for that that's why i want to get straight yes. into that let's break for a quick song and when we come back we'll talk to you about that and if we have time i want you to go through some nutrition myth busting that you mentioned at the beginning i want to see if we can um do that quiz (laughs) so let's quickly wait for a song
1: and come back all right we'll be right back guys so just a little reminder that we are affiliated with turkish media limited and you are listening to the we podcast we will be right back after this song see you guys soon
0: Vazgeç artık ehbe be yavrum, bunun sonu çok zarar Eller ne dese inanmadın yürek yandı, aldırmadın vuruldu kaç kere Yüzüne sevmiyor dediler duymadım Eller ne dese inanmadın yürek yandı, aldırmadın vuruldu kaç kere Eh be avrum bunun sonu çok zarar Eller ne dese inanmadın, yürek yandı. Aldırmadın, vuruldu kaç kere. Yüzüne sevmiyor dediler, doymadın. Eller ne dese inanmadın, yürek yandı. Aldırmadın, vuruldu kaç kere.
4: To Ulu and um, I like that song um, guys we're back we are talking to Iman she's our, our nutritionist today talking about naturopathy I got it right this time look we're going to be talking straight into naturopathic support for mental health and obviously it incorporates nutrition herbal medicine etc um, Iman how can naturopathy support mental health and can you maybe give us just a couple of quick examples Yeah, sure.
2: Um, So the way naturopaths generally approach uh, mental health is essentially looking at all of the factors in general that can contribute to mental health uh, conditions. And so um, there's a number of underlying uh, processes that can impact our mental wellbeing from our dietary intake, from uh, hormonal imbalances to thyroid function and certain thyroid conditions and disorders um, all the way to um, things like diabetes uh, and then other kind of conditions such as you know ADHD and whatnot um, where there's a neuro, Um, neurochemical imbalances and so what we essentially do is uh, make an assessment of what are some of the drivers of um, poor mental health in this person's um, state so whether that be anxiety um, depression uh, xyz and looking at um, implementing diet and lifestyle strategies that can support that which we now have a, a, a Really nice kind of growing um, field of evidence for, as far as nutrition and mental health. Um, but then we also utilise things such as herbal medicine, uh, nutritional medicine to um, support with particular
3: um, symptoms and health conditions as well. Is there any um, type of medicine that you give? Like, is there any ingredients that's behind it that helps mental health, or is it just you, you kind of customise it? From my understanding, to definitely. A
2: Definitely yeah, customized for sure. Yeah, so individualized depending on uh, what the person is presenting with. So, for example, um, if that's anxiety, um, we might look at all the different factors around that person's lifestyle, just to give you guys a, a bit of an example around what can contribute to the anxiety. So, you lots know, of coffee. Uh, <laughs>
4: twenty twenty. Definitely uh, <laughs> too much well, caffeine, um, Imam. While you're talking about anxiety, we've just got a question um, from our. Um, psychologist who's actually um, one of the um, co-hosts on Turkish Media Limited and she's got here she's asked us a great question she said that she's sometimes got patients who have depression and anxiety and because of their beliefs they don't want to be on antidepressant medication she believes sometimes that herbal medicines do help she's asking do you do a blood test to check serotonin levels before you prescribe and if they take the antidepressant and herbal medicines, can they take the antidepressant and herbal remedies together that's Mrs. Susan Yes, yeah, correct. Yeah,
3: really counting. good question. Um, we do sometimes refer off for further
2: testing. Mm-hmm. Um, certain types of testing can be really expensive. So uh, there are certain types of testing where you can look at, um, for example, someone's omega-3 levels, um, uh, different neurotransmitters. However, certain tests also lack evidence. So there's certain tests that, um, as a naturopath, I won't always use, just depending on in terms of the cost, how much benefit we're going to have from doing that test, is the test easily accessible, um, and is there kind of enough evidence to support the use of that test? Um, so sometimes with certain mental health conditions, we don't.
3: Um, but as far as Have you worked alongside psychologists, which, you know, they kind yeah, of, you know, do the counselling and they yeah,
2: Yep, so I often do
3: refer a lot of
2: my clients out to psychologists because you do really need that integrative team for support. Mm, Um, And I stress a lot. Um, especially in our community I find that sometimes there definitely is hesitance number one towards medication and number two also towards therapy so I sometimes have to have that conversation with clients as well in terms of we can do all these things together we can use herbs we can use nutrients but um, you really do need to talk through um, this emotional response um, and you know this kind of long term that the way these conditions can impact you long term and how you deal with them that really needs to be talked through with a relevant professional as well Absolutely, um, There is definitely certain uh, herbs that we can't use with certain types of medications. So, you know, like I said earlier, if someone is on an antidepressant, um, a really popular herb that functions in a similar way to an antidepressant called St. John's wort, uh, we can't use that in conjunction what with... What will happen if they did take it? So, what, what it could result in is something that's called serotonin syndrome, mm. um, which kind of uh, really messes up with your serotonin levels. And what can happen is you get the opposite effect where it can kind of create a bit of a mental health crisis. Um, so, yeah, if, if someone... If someone was on antidepressants and went ahead and took St John's War, um, they might actually find that they end up with suicidal thoughts and, and other types of um, uh, full body kind of symptoms. No,
1: I just um, pause you there Iman, I'm so sorry to do this, I just want to, for listeners out there who don't know what serotonin in, is, I just want to remind them that it's a natural mood stabiliser that controls the well being and happiness. Mm-hmm. Is there any yeah. other, anything else that you'd like to add on to that that I may have missed? Um, well,
2: basically, it's what you said. Um, part of it is produced in our gastrointestinal sy- sy- um, system, and it influences yeah all those f- all those feelings of, of happiness and and a positive mood. And it is found to be lower in people with depression, so that's kind of relevant to our discussion around antidepressants. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's so the how better they work. The
3: gut health, the, the better f- your mental health. Is that there's, there's, there's definitely gastro- a, correlation.
2: a grow- there is. Yeah, yeah there's, there's a, a growing. A growing area of research that suggests that um, gut microbiome so the balance of the good and bad bacteria um, does have an impact on mood um, and they're, they're actually doing studies at a local Uh, um, university actually in Melbourne um, looking at specific strains of probiotics on the um, people with depression. And there is some, like, early research that has actually shown, um, I can't remember the names of the exact strains, I'll have to find out for you guys, um, that uh, number one, it is safe to use alongside antibiotics, um, but there's some uh, preliminary research that has shown that it has been uh, beneficial for mood, so for low mood, um, as well as anger some of these strains um so yeah there's a lot more research
3: kind of going into this area it's still that's like uh, Iman, still a little- the new sorry to cut you off the, the new halibacter disease that's come out it's only a, a new modern disease that's come out which is a gut related as you said um, they they give a whole 10 doses of antibiotics to deal with so wow are you
2: are you referring to halicobacter pylori that's right that's it, yeah yeah yep 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 i have seen with some people as well with that particular type of bacterial infection um that they can experience mood symptoms as well so this is where having that holistic assessment as to you know when when did your symptoms first start when did you start struggling with these things and creating a bit of a timeline around um you know has there been a gastrointestinal infection um you know are there any other underlying um Uh, Conditions or uh, predispositions that are putting you at risk of Mm -hmm. this type of condition. So, for example, like people with diabetes are 20% more likely to experience anxiety, um, and that's mainly because of the, um, the irregularity with blood sugar levels. You know, when your blood sugar levels, for example, when they drop really low, you might feel a little bit jittery, a bit shaky, um, you know, confusion, all these types of things. Um, so people with certain conditions are going to be more at risk of particular mental health issues. Um, so, for example, people with PCOS are also more at risk of having anxiety, um, people with thyroid disorders um, like anxiety is one of those hallmark symptoms so a lot of people might be medicated for certain um, symptoms on the surface which are actually a result of an underlying thyroid
3: condition for example so So, you stated before that you do blood tests but stool test is what will get the more of a gut related clearer kind of vision on a general practitioner end so do you do that or do you send that as well because i didn't hear you mention that i just wanted to clarify that
2: yeah. So, you know, if, if there's a justification again, to do a uh, microbiome testing or gut testing, I definitely do either refer to the GP or refer for private testing. Um, right. It just really depends on that presentation. So if someone's presenting with say anxiety and a lot of digestive symptoms as well, um, we will absolutely be looking at doing additional testing. Um, so it really depends again on, on that presentation. Um but yeah, in in saying that, there's still a there's still scope to use, um, like for example, sure. probiotics or certain yep. strains, certain those. things, yep. to support that person mm-hmm. um, even without testing, because generally, um, as far as all the research we have, probiotics are very safe.
4: Um, um in mind, I use probiotics for my IBS, so um, I can vouch for those for myself. Anyway, but can we go on to ADHD? How can they be supported within the naturopathic um, environment? Yeah, so. ADHD, just for in case our viewers considering that it's quite prevalent nowadays. There's a lot more people, children, that are diagnosed with it. So I think it's some good information you might be able to provide. Yeah, for sure. And
2: look, uh, just on that point, I mean, uh, we had a lot more diagnoses in ADHD following uh, lockdown. Uh, And I think a lot of that has to do with, um, again, the changes with uh, routine, having to stay at home, focus on a screen for prolonged periods of time, both for children and adults. So um, it's definitely much more prevalent and a lot more diagnosed. Uh, Nowadays, And for anyone that's listening that isn't sure, uh, ADHD stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder and affects some of those neurochemicals or brain chemicals that we, similar to the ones that we spoke about before. So instead of serotonin, we're kind of, this this, um, ADHD is centered more around dopamine. So more of your kind of reward hormone um, and another um, uh, brain chemical called uh, norepinephrine. So, um, basically, um, for anyone who's uh, um, unsure, it, it mainly impacts people's um, ability to um, focus, carry out tasks, um, uh, prioritise time, and uh, anything around their executive function. So, um, that's to do with you know, um, yeah, time management, um, planning, uh, carrying out tasks, focus,
3: XYZ. Um, the way. Interesting. Because I would think yeah. that, you know, ADHD... Because the, the statement that you made prior was that um, ADHD is, has, has become more and only diagnosed after the lockdown. Now, are we are we stimulating yeah. and actually, you know, with, with the current situations that we're going through, are we actually producing ADHD well, I think,
2: I think, in I think people? What, I think what is, is um, many many people might struggle with some of these symptoms but when you're kind of put under pressure or um, circumstances change a lot of these uh, symptoms can rise to the surface so in terms of my personal experience um, I started working in lockdown from home so uh, I had a late diagnosis for ADHD myself uh, in the first year of lockdown and um, that was as sorry
4: that's all but which part did you get? The, I know you said that you, you were diagnosed through lockdown, so I said I'm sorry. Yeah. But are yes. we over-diagnosing?
3: That's just my question. Like my, Not my question,
4: but the observation
3: that I've had through friends as well. Like you're a professional, you're, th- you're bound to feel anxious. There is a change in routine. There is a change within the country and the system and the world, and it is not a natural way. That we had to change all of that in our for work sure. yeah, families, sure. friends, social think, life, work life. So are we over over emphasizing an ADHD where it's just a change in life and then we're, you know, having to medicate ourselves?
2: Yeah. I think for some people. Yeah. I think for some people, um, that might be true in terms of um, kind of living in this lifestyle where we're designed to constantly be focused and and manage things and have all of our life kind of together, uh, but I definitely think those um,
4: for you for, for your diagnosis.
2: Yeah, I would definitely say for me it was a little bit more uh, debilitating, okay. um, right. and and that's why and that's that's why to some extent it is considered a disability. Um, because for some people, especially as women, we um, tend to really want to meet a certain standard and we kind of want people to think that we have our, um, you know, our lives together. And so I think especially for women, in terms of women having late diagnosis, um, it's largely got to do with um, just trying so hard to fit in and manage everything. And I think for me personally, um, you know, when I started working from home and had all like had all the time in the world and was only working two days a week, uh, could not function, could not function because um, none of those things that kept me kind of on track were were there anymore in terms of having um uh, accountability and all of that sort of stuff. So I think for a lot of people, they might struggle with certain things relating to ADHD, but I think a lot of them might have the support there to kind of keep it at bay or keep it keep it kind of um, structured. And then when that support goes, um, a lot of people might experience significant changes with their mental health and they often will get diagnosed with d- anxiety or depression or another mental health condition before they actually get diagnosed with ADHD. Having so as a dual
1: diagnosis. Yeah.
2: As a naturopath, what would you take
3: for ADHD that would reduce that?
2: Yeah, so yeah, with regards to ADHD, again, in terms of what we spoke about before, in terms of looking at some of those underlying factors, we do know that certain types of dietary approaches um, uh, do have an association with a lesser risk um, for ADHD. Um, so, you know, there's a little bit of research to show that a Mediterranean-style diet, for example, um, again, can
3: reduce <laughs> the risk. About
4: this many th- times <laughs> on lots of our shows about, this mediterranean diet and i'm loving it <laughs> love hearing <laughs> Isn't it yeah
2: um so yeah in terms of you know a diet that is you know rich with omegas, so there is a little bit of research on your omega-3s uh with adhd um but um yeah so all your omega-3s your um whole grains lots of fruit and vegetables your nuts your seeds your olive oil your antioxidant kind of rich diet um there are some really old studies that um show that high intakes of you know sugar additives uh, um, food colorings can have an impact now
3: this is not going to be the same for everyone i've heard of that the Um, yellow that that it's got the containment of um the concrete yeah so
2: look there's not enough um the research is still kind of growing um Mm. it
3: won't be the case for everyone but for some people there
2: might be an association there um there is a large So, is um, there a link to adhd with that There's an old research that suggests that there there is, um, but we don't have any kind of new research um, kind of looking into this connection. Um, I can say that for some people that I've worked with, they definitely notice a a difference in the behavior of their child after having certain types of food colorings or additives. Um, But again, it's not the same for everyone, but we do know that definitely like a diet in high refined sugar. Um, definitely can play a role especially as far as some of the hyperactivity goes thanks Simon. Um,
4: look um I, I know we're running out of time and i've cut you off but i really want you to quickly <laughs> we've got like six minutes and i want you to just run through a couple of quick nutrition myth bust, busting things that you've got <laughs> any <laughs> myths that you can sort of go yep. through with this or just run a, a myth <laughs> busters yes you got a what? couple
2: that you thought i will should, yep? I'll, I'll quickly finish up on the adhd with sure. the point that that exercise um, and lifestyle plays a big role too. Absolutely. So, um, we also look at that wow. that bigger picture in terms of people that exercise um, with ADHD are more likely to experience improved focus um, and management of their ADHD symptoms compared to non-ADHDs. This mm-hmm. is shown in new research. Mm -hmm. Um, as well as uh, sleep and people with sleep disorders are more likely to have ADHD as well. So again, um, just to sum up, it's it's looking at all these lifestyle factors which are contributing to uh, whatever that mental health condition or um, whatever you're struggling with and just modifying those. But, um, yeah, I mean, we could talk about that all day, but... Uh, we need to
1: we'll have a again. again. I know, mean, we definitely need to. We're, we're just cramming everything into this yeah. hour. But just before we move on to this MythBuster, buster, which I'm super keen to uh, delve into, I really want to just, for our listeners out there who don't know what ADHD, what symptoms there are, can you just pose a few of those symptoms out there that um, those who have ADHD show?
2: Yep. So um, I would say this 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 is a bit of a long question, but there's, oh,
1: uh, there's, there's, <laughs> three, there's
2: three types of ADHD. So you've got the inattentive type, which is more issues around regulating um, focus. So this might be um, someone that's unable to focus on their tasks, um, unable to uh, difficulty concentrating, um, difficulty uh, managing their time. So time management, prioritising tasks um anything around kind of inattentiveness is is that there's that that sort of type of ADHD um then you've got ADHD um uh, the my Brain is having a blank at the moment. We can you've come got
4: back
2: hyper- to it. hyperactive, you've got hyperactivity. Um, so this is more kind of relating to um f- fidgeting, being hyperactive, um, lots of energy. But uh, hyperactivity can present in different ways, um, in different genders and kids versus adults. So often in kids, it's like you know that kid that just runs around all day, um, doesn't sleep, um, disrupts the class. Uh, whereas for women, that might be a little bit different. So that might be um, you know, constant um, fidgeting. Uh, when doing work, unable to, you know, um, stand, walk in lines behind other people, like just uh, kind of impatient with um, situations where they might have to wait, Um, uh, different types of behaviours that can revolve around that. And then you've got the combined. So uh, ADHD, both inattentive, so that's what ADHD stands for, that's with inattentiveness, and with hyperactivity,
1: so you've oh, kind of got both together. Thank you so much.
3: City life—I feel like every human in this that has that city life <laughs> what has some kind of ADHD. <laughs> Today, I think I reached that limit when they told me there is no parking left in the city car park, which just facilitates for five thousand. So, <laughs> unfortunately, we don't have that natural, you know, farm life anymore. Uh, it, it can be found in more. Farms have people. changed.
2: Yeah, and yeah, back
3: and to a little bit
2: of crossover. With anxiety there can be crossover with other conditions with adhd symptoms so i guess uh, just to sum up you know if you're concerned or you want to know more just get an assessment because that's the best way to to find out thank you so
3: much amen back to the myth busting quizzes so can we have some myth busters please Yes, um, which one there was a couple that we kind of discussed. something that makes you go wow, this is interesting, and I'd yeah. like to share. <laughs>
1: oh, there's so many, just a couple. Um, we've got we've got the last few minutes, so go for it. Well,
3: the la- the last
2: one that I did on um, Instagram, which was very popular, and there's a lot of kind of noise about online, would definitely be vegetable oils. So um, I would say that one in terms of vegetable oils being inflammatory and causing cancer and ruining everyone's lives, um, that's something that you'll see a a lot on. Um, So that's untrue?
1: Is that untrue? Let's get a guess. Let's get a guess. I I would say that
3: is not true. Bishra? Likewise,
1: I think that's untrue as well. Deryalva?
3: Untrue. Untrue? What is it, Iman? You are correct.
2: it's it true. <laughs> really?
1: um, we go home so, and change our
2: oils. Exactly. <laughs> we do. We do know that uh, excess excess consumption of anything is can really be problematic. If if you drink too much water, um, then that that's, that can Kidneys be toxic to you. Much. <laughs> exactly, and so. We know that too much omega-6 in general is not good, but to, to, to say uh, as a blanket statement that's inflammatory is untrue because we don't have um, the evidence to support that. So there has been some studies where they've um, had people consuming omega-6s, um, checked the omega-6s in their blood. So remember last time,